Well, as I was introduced, I'm Rafael. I, I do drug and alcohol rehabilitation at the center, at the ARC. We all call it the center for short. And you might have met some of the men that have been through the center. The guys who are at the center, it's, it's hard to explain it to people who have not been there. The guys at the center are very loving men. If you have them in your church, they are very caring, loving, gentle men. I am about medium size compared to all the other fellows in there, but they are loving, gentle, caring men. If you ever are a pastor and they are in your church and you are trying to carry something to your car, they come help you. If you need help, they come help you. If you need somebody, they are there. They are gentle, loving men that have been touched by Jesus Christ. And the moment you, you finish the program, you get a place, you get a house, you get a job, and you leave the center, the guys come back and they tell us they miss the gentleness at the center. It's like a big family in there. It's wonderful. The only thing is that they don't come to the center that way. They come restless. They come like tea kettles, just about to go off. They come restless. And there are a couple of reasons why they come restless. There's a verse in the Bible that I am going to cover. And it's 2 Samuel 13, 21. And the verse says, when King David heard about this, he became very angry. But David did not punish his son Amnon. He favored Amnon because he was his firstborn son. This story here is the middle of the story where King David's sons get into some mess. King David had three initial sons. He probably had hundreds more. But three sons by three different mothers. The first one was Amnon. The one the, the scriptures describe him as the favorite one. The second one was Daniel. And we don't hear a word about Daniel at all. The third son was Absalom. Now, Absalom was an incredibly good-looking young man. And his sister, Tamar, was just as beautiful. As the, uh, Absalom used to grow his hair all year long and then cut it off. And it would be worth so many shekels. I mean, he was uh, the, the beautiful man in campus. He was, and his sister Tamar, too. Well, one day, Abnon, the oldest brother, developed a very sick attraction towards his sister. And he's advised to trick King David, to trick the sister, for him to get his way with her. So he follows that foolish advice. He follows that advice, and he tricks the sister into thinking, tricks King David into thinking that he's sick, tricks the sister into thinking he's sick, and for her to cook something for him in his room so he can feel better. Well, what ends up happening is he tricks her, 
He gets everybody out of the house, and he ends up raping her. And then with the same love he had for her, he had the same hatred, same level of hatred now, and he kicks her out in shame. She throws ashes in her hair. She tears her robes, and she goes to her brother's house, Absalom. And Absalom takes care of his sister all of his life. And that's when we get to this passage. And this is the middle of the story. And when King David heard about this, he became very angry. But he did nothing. But David did not punish his son Amnon. He favored him because Amnon because he was his firstborn son. I was thinking, what can I share with the congregation? And uh, listening to the, fa- to the family series, I said, I can probably share three steps how to avoid a child from growing into a man that will go into my center. Three simple steps that will prevent a child from going to my center when he grows up. The first step is right there, favorites. Don't play favorites, period. In the U.S. Army, when I went basic training, I could barely speak English. I learned most of my English in basic training. And, uh, however, they had a saying, Larry, Daddy, and everybody. It was a little more, it had some other words that I don't use anymore. But it was Larry, Daddy, and everybody. And what, yeah, you see, he's laughing, he knows, yeah. Laddie, daddy, and everybody. And that meant everybody is everything, and everybody does everything. And that is how the drill sergeants were able to get us to do this. The foolish things, the things that drove us insane or everything, and we never rebelled against them because everybody had to do it. In a family, favoritism will just about ensure that you have restless kids. And I'm not talking about energetic kids. Heck, you know, energetic kids, you know, uh, when I was growing up during the 70s, we didn't have all this information about sugar. I loved frosted flakes, but they didn't have enough sugar. So I would have my bowl of frosted flakes and two teaspoons of sugar and then drown it with milk. And man, I always wonder why I couldn't behave. Now, that wasn't restlessness, that was energy. There's a difference between restlessness and energy. Energy, you have it, and it just disappears. All of a sudden, you are falling asleep. Restlessness gets worse. Each and every day, you get more restless. When there is a favorite in the house, everybody gets restless. The kids get restless. In the 1979, I went to New York with my family to visit and to see the Statue of Liberty, to see this, this, and that. In the middle of that two-week vacation, my dad says, come with me, son. And of course, I'm going with him. Uh, he's a very generous dad. And um, I'm 10 years old, and I'm thinking already, what am I going to get him to buy me? And we are going out, and we are walking, walking, walking. We get on a subway. We come out. 
and he has an address in a paper. And as we are getting close to that place, close to the address, all of a sudden there is a man there I simply recognize. I know this man. No, I didn't. But I know this man. I know him. Who is this guy? I'm trying to pick the name in my brain. Ten years old, I'm trying to pick the name in my brain. And uh, my dad squeezes my arm. So I know my dad knows him too. It's not just me. I'm not going crazy. And we stop head to head. We stop right in front of this guy. And this guy stopped and his eyes just opened up. And my dad asked him, you know who I am? And the guy says, yes, you are Gua. My father's nickname, I don't know how he got it. Even in Spanish, it's an ugly name. It's Guatón. And if you knew him since childhood, you will know him as Gua. My nickname is, not nickname, my name is Rafael, a diminutive. In Spanish, it's Rafaelito. But because children cannot say Rafaelito, they usually say Faito. So if there's somebody who knows me since childhood, they call me Faito. And I know they know me since I was a baby. Well, this guy knew my father since he was a child. Gua. He says, yeah, you are Gua. And then he did the craziest thing. He covered his ears. He turned away, and he walked off. And I'm there looking at this guy doing that crazy thing, and I asked my dad, I know that guy. Who is he? And dad said, you don't know him. That is my brother. That is your uncle. Years before, 30 years or so before, that uncle left Puerto Rico because of the favoritism my grandfather had. And that's not the worst case of that favoritism in that family. My, my auntie, he, her name is Saida, was the favorite one in the house. And my grandfather spent all the money he had making sure she looked wonderful for a dance they were going to go to. Something, some dance, some silly thing. And however, there was a brother, an uncle, of mine, I wasn't born yet, this is during the 50s, there was a brother who was going to the same dance from school, but my, father, my grandfather, because he favored the girl, he spent his, all his money on her and nothing on him. He had to go with street clothes you normally used to play outside, and my grandfather made him go. That guy was quiet. My dad said he was quiet, he didn't say anything, he didn't say anything to anybody. That was the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. Because not long after, three weeks later, I think it was, there was Father's Day. And because of the favoritism, in the 1950s, that boy wished my grandfather a happy Father's Day. He went to his room and he hung himself. Had another brother who, because of the favoritism and the beating, he makes some electric paste for construction. You put in some electric joints or something, and he swallowed it to commit suicide too. That is when the third brother, the one in New York, decided to leave before he does the same thing. And the moment he saw my father, my father was the favorite one, 
the guy turned around and walked off. Right now in New York, there might be a man, an escalator, who is in a grave by himself, not in the family grave in Puerto Rico. He might be in a hospital. He might be homeless. We don't know where he's at. Nobody knows. Favoritism is evil. My mom played favorites with me, and it got to the point one day when me and my brother pulled knives on each other. He was in the Civil Air Patrol. He had a knife. I was a Boy Scout, and I had two knives. I had the regular folding knife, and I had the other one that you buy at the Army surplus store. I had it, and if any of us would have said anything else, we probably would have stabbed each other because of the hatred of favoritism. We become restless inside. If you want your child as an adult in my center, play favorites, and I'll have to fix it. And God forbid anybody here has a child going to the center. God, we, I pray that that never happens. I pray that that place is never, ever needed again, that we can close it. Not because I hate it, but because I hate the dysfunction and the destruction that happens in lives and end up going there. The men, when they come to the center, they accept Christ, and then we have to deal with the restlessness. So first step, Larry, Daddy, and everybody. Everybody the same, three, everybody equally. I got three kids living with me, and it's impossible to do the same thing for everybody. So what I do is I do what they like. My biggest son, he's all the way over there in the back, and he sits with me in the back. He has very sensitive ears, so we always sit in the back. His name is Junior. And um, he likes expensive stuff. Tomorrow is his birthday. So as you live out here and shaking my arms, a 20 in the hand goes a long way. Okay? I, I am kidding. I am kidding. I already called my credit card companies to be ready for whatever he wants. And whatever he wants, he's saving it. He's, even just now, I asked him what you want. He's saving it. We don't know what he wants. And I'm restless. So uh, he wants expensive stuff, so he only gets it every so often. Christmas, maybe birthdays. Maybe we combine two gifts into one or something of that sort. The second one, he calls me every three or four days wanting something. I'm at work, and he said, Dad, there is a new map for my game. I need to download it. I need to buy it. I said, son, sure. The moment I get home, I'll go ahead and download it for you. Oh, Dad, don't worry. I know how to use your cards and stuff. He's only 10, and not that he knows how to use my cards, but he knows how to find the information in the game and get it approved. He just needs my approval for him to do his approval on the system. I became a lot wiser, and I started looking at my bank account every day, just to see for MS-Box, Microsoft Xbox. And uh, my daughter, she's different. She gets Hello Kitty stuff, pink stuff, pretty stuff, you name it. Hello Kitty is insane. They give you that little card where you get the punches and you get something free. I should get something free just for buying a $30 bubble gum. And um, $30 bubble gum, and it doesn't taste that good. You know, I'm exaggerating. I know people looking, $30 bubble gum? What on earth? Everything there is $30. You go to Hello Kitty, everything there is 29 dollars 
and something written in Japanese next to it. It's actually $2 something, but for idiots, we charge $29.95. <laughs> and here I am. That's what you want, baby? Yeah. And can I get this too, Dad? Another 30 bucks. You know, you better leave there quick. So the first step to avoid a child, as we're focusing on families, no favorites, is destructive. It kills. By the way, Absalom, not only did he kill Amnon, he wanted to kill King David. He raped 10 of King David's concubines. He set Joab's field on fire. He kicked King David basically out of the kingdom, and he ended up getting killed by Joab. All because there was a favorite, and nothing was done. So the first step, no favorites in a family. Impossible to have justice, fairness, when there's a favorite. If you do that step, you are 50% of the way to becoming an ARC administrator. My job at the ARC is to be fair. Everybody gets the, the so-called pink slip. How many of you know what a pink slip is? Well, the guys, yeah, they raise their hand. A pink slip is a document where we document an infraction. Everybody gets them. Everybody. No matter whether you are pretty like me or ugly like the rest of you guys. You get one. No matter what. It's laddy daddy and everybody. But in the pink slip, there is a spot where we have an opportunity for the men to explain. We hear them out. And that is the second step to preventing a child from getting restless and developing the personality, the attitude, the restlessness that bring them into my center. Second step, hear them out. Kids have something very important to say. If a kid don't expresses himself, uh, expressing yourself is one of the most therapeutic things you can ever do. There are men who are holding, there are women who are holding, there are children who are holding deep, deep secrets, deep resentments, and they cannot let it go. And they think by pushing it deep inside, it goes somewhere. No, it doesn't. You're still dealing with it. You just don't know why you are so restless, why you have to medicate yourself, why you have to get so much attention. Why, why, why? Because you are restless, like a tea kettle. Restless. Second step, hear them out. I learned this from Major Reyes. Major Reyes, 41, 42 year officer. Not in age, 42 years as an officer. Incredible man of God. He's the one so patient and so calm that we gave him the job in case of emergencies, in case there's a fire, there's an earthquake, and so forth. He's the one who finds the book. The rest of us are going to be screaming out of the building. He's so mellow, he'll find the book and just walks out. One day, he was very ill. We did not know this, that he was ill. And Jason Watson needed to talk to him. 
Jason has something heavy in his heart. He couldn't sleep the night before, so he wanted to talk to Major Reyes. And he calls Major Reyes. Major Reyes said, can we talk tomorrow? And he said, no, I really need to talk to you. No, really, can we talk to you tomorrow? No, I really need to talk to you, Major Reyes. I couldn't sleep the night before. So Major Reyes shows up at the center. And when he's at the center, he goes into his office. I hear it because there's a bell in his office. He installed a bell. I don't know why. But he installed a bell. It sounded beautiful when he walks in. And for an hour, he's talking to Jason Watson. At the end of that hour, Major Reyes makes a decision. And Major Reyes asks Jason Watson to take him to the emergency room. Jason Watson thinks Major Reyes is joking. He's not joking. He cannot drive himself to the emergency room. Jason takes him to the emergency room, and they literally separate Major Reyes from everybody, and they put him in some type of quarantine in the hospital. Now, understandable, the guy is Mexican, I'm Puerto Rican, we Hispanics don't go for the doctor, to the doctor for anything. We'll die before we go to the doctor. And it's appointed once for men to die, and then the judgment, right? So, hey, why go to the doctor, amen? No, you have to go to the doctor, we just don't go. And uh, he taught me one thing. Letting people express themselves is therapeutic. Just them saying their peace is therapeutic. My kids, if you have boys, it's easy. It's an easy job. The boys share, the boys are upset at you. My sons are mad at me. I say, what's wrong, son? He tells it like it is. Ruben, the same way. Junior Ruben, the same way. My daughter, Reina, if she's upset, you see it because she starts crossing her arms, putting her lips, all angry. I mean, she weighs, what, 49 pounds. How angry can a 49-pound get, you know? So pretty. She's seven years old. The cutest thing in the world. She actually looks so cute when she's upset. It's hard to keep a, a serious face hearing her out because she's so pretty. And she tried to stomp her way into her room and try to close the door quickly. But that's not the type of door that closes quickly. He cannot. And, and she goes in there, and I know I did something to get her upset. And I know I have to get her to share. I have to get it out of her. I have to get her to communicate it. So I go into the room. I get right in front of the door, get myself nice and ready. This is going to be a 45-minute trip into begging them. And, and uh, I open the door, and with all the humility I can muster, I go see her. My precious princess, how are you doing today? <laughs> it's a nightmare because she is going on purpose to make me suffer. And I know it, we know it, we just have to go to the 45-minute dance. And she says to me, Daddy, I don't want to talk right now. I said, yes, she does. Otherwise, she would cry at 2 o'clock in the morning, wake me up, and I'm going to have to do the whole dance at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I don't want to do that. So I'm talking to her. And then she says, but what, what, I said, what is wrong, my love? And she says, never mind. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, I'm so ignorant, I could never be able to understand what she's trying to say. And, 
I don't know where she gets it because the mother never says, never mind. Uh, the mother says, nothing. And, and, and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Freddy can probably play Silent Night in memory of me at the end of the service. But if I don't get to their level and hear them out, get them to share what's inside of them, Give me a chance to bring the two boys, her, and iron out whatever issue is going through. She might need a counselor to do that. I will have relinquished my authority as the judge of that house to somebody else. And I have to judge fairly because they're watching me. They're watching me. And they know what I have said. Just yesterday, I'm working on this sermon and finishing it up three times. They come for some decision. They're arguing. One of my sons is downloading a new game, the one who always asks. And somebody says something funny about it, and he got angry or whatever. Step one, no favorites. Step two, hear them out. And the step three, we know favoritism after hearing all that have been shared by every kid. Every kid gets a chance to talk. Make the right judgment. If you realize as parents we are the first image of God to our children, you see how important that is to do. They get their view of how God is from fathers. If you are unfair, God is unfair. If you have favorites, so does God. Whatever you do, that will be the impression they get of God. I pray that I never get to see anybody shout here at my center. But if I do, I'll give you my word. I'll do the absolute best to turn them into those gentle, loving men we have. But there would be nothing better for me to do than one day sell that building and know that it's no longer needed. Three steps. No favorites. Everybody gets to talk. Everybody gets to share. Everybody gets to get what is inside of them out. And the third step, judge fairly. Otherwise, restlessness will drive them to me. And I'll take care of it.